we don't even have to say I love my kids, but that's a given. We love our kids. But like for me, you know, they're a big part of my world, but they are not going to be here forever. And so on one hand, that means I'm trying to be flexible and spend time with them. On the other hand, I had them young. When I'm 44, my twins will be going to college. So I have to live my life for me too. show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about being a stay-at-home mom versus being a working mom. This can be an incredibly difficult decision for mothers after they have children. Do I stay at home or do I continue working? Well, our returning guest today is here to help and to shed some light on why it doesn't always need to be such a black or white decision. Kat Alford is the nationally recognized financial educator who started her business with a $10 domain name and grew it into a multifaceted six-figure digital media company. She's the creator of KatherineAlford.com and the co-founder of MillennialHomeowner.com and the author of the new book, Mom's Got Money, a millennial mom's guide to managing money like a boss. Her writing and expertise have been featured in dozens of media outlets, including Good Morning America, Forbes, and U.S. News and World Report. When she isn't helping moms thrive financially, she's spending time with her husband, her twins, and their rescue dog named Julep. Welcome back to the show, Kat. Thanks for having me again, Andy. Absolutely. And everybody who is listening to this podcast and can't see it, we are physically here together and it is fantastic. It's awesome. It's so nice to see friends. Yeah, it really is. You've got a fantastic new book that I'm so excited about for you. I know you've been working hard on it for a while and it's really going to help a lot of women out there who want to get their money game going, right? And have a good life with it, right? Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Well, it's called Mom's Got Money, A Millennial Mom's Guide to Managing Money Like a Boss. And I really wanted to write a book catering to moms specifically, especially millennial moms, because we have a lot of different issues in our generation. There's a lot of, there's student loan debt. We are sort of sandwiched in between recessions, big events, like what we've experienced this past year. I know I graduated in 2009. So that was a really defining moment of starting work and having kids trying to to save for their college while paying off our own college. There's all these different issues that are very specific to the millennial population. So I want to reach out to them. I think that's great. And, and what a good time for it too. We're going through a difficult time over the past year where people are trying to transition into a spot that they feel comfortable with. The comfort kind of went away over the last year for a lot of people. Sure. So this is a time we're in the spring season. This is maybe a time to you know look forward for what we can do to reinvent ourselves or make plans for the future. This is a great time for this book. One chapter that I wanted to focus okay. on today specifically was this conversation for moms around choosing to be a stay-at-home mom versus being a working mom. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've had a lot of history with that. Our family has had a lot of history with that as well. So I thought I'd like to dive into that a little bit today. Talk to us about your crossroads with this decision. I think that's a good place for us to start. Sure. And and I want to say first, this was one of the hardest chapters to write because I really wanted to come across the right way. And I made sure to say in the chapter, like, I'm not for one or the other. I'm just for moms making the absolute best, most informed choice for them. And so for me, me, I 
built my business, which is a digital marketing business. I own a couple of websites. I started out as a freelance writer. I built it in the evenings outside of my nine to five job before I had kids. And at that time, there was maybe one or two other bloggers who were able to take their business full time. And I thought, well, that would be great because I could kind of have this balance. I always wanted to be the mom to pick up their kids from school. Like that's what my mom did. And this was a way for me to kind of figure out how to do both. So I became self-employed. I took the leap in January, 2014. And in March, I had twins. <laughs> and yeah, it was, a, it was kind of a rough beginning. It took me a while to figure out that I needed help. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Like in my head, I was so confident, like, yeah, I'm just going to work during the nap time and be able to do it all. I'm going to have these two kids. And, you know, I was like trying to show other moms what was possible and I was drowning. And so I slowly, all I was able to afford at the time was like a mother's helper, which was a very lovely 16 year old who lived down the street and slowly built up to having like a 25 hour a week nanny. And I had that until they started kindergarten. So I never had a full 40 hour a week daycare or nanny, but I also have never had a full 40 hour work week. So I kind of felt like I was a sort of qualified to talk about it since I'm kind of both. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You sort of rode that gap between both and you give perspectives for both. Did you ever feel pressure, I guess, maybe personally or externally to choose one way or the other? I don't think I had any external pressure. I'm just by nature, super independent. And I kind of like do what I want to do when I set my mind to something that's what ends up happening. You know, I had a, I had a working mom, but she created a flexible schedule and you know, my husband's like super supportive. He's like, whatever you do, you usually, it usually works out. So pick one and go for it. But I, I put a lot of pressure on myself and I think that's where maybe some of the conflict came in over time. Like I knew what I could do without kids. I knew what level I could perform at my best. And so that was something internally I had to work through. Like, I don't feel like I'm giving my best here. I feel like I'm kind of like failing at work. For the first time in my life, I was like forgetting meetings. I had these babies. I felt like I wasn't giving enough time to them. So it took time for me to find the right, I I wouldn't call it a balance because, you know, that doesn't exist, but you know, the right way to manage my day to feel like I was, I was doing okay in categories. Had to lower my expectations of myself. Yeah. You gave a really good example in the book and I just felt like I was there with you when you had back-to-back radio interviews as part of a uh, as part of a sponsorship. Tell us a little bit about that. I still am triggered by this day. So we had just moved to Michigan and I signed one of my first big, you know, contracts for work. Someone, uh, a big Fortune 500 company hired me to be a spokesperson, but I had only been living here for maybe a few weeks. I had no babysitters and they wanted me to do 12 radio interviews over two days. Well, I had, I hired a babysitter. I talked to her dad, you know, make sure he, you know, just talk to the parents. Well, she didn't show up that day. I had two-year-old twins. And so I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, these are national, these are like national tens of thousands of people listening on the radio. And so what I decided to do was give the radio interviews outside. So I kind of put the TV on with the twin toddlers watching TV. And I stepped outside to do these 15 minutes a piece. But as soon as I stepped outside, they, they did not like that. They were sobbing and banging on the window. It's like they thought I had been like kidnapped and placed on the porch. And I just had to keep giving this radio interview like, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, yeah, it was for an insurance company. So I was like, yeah, this is what this insurance is. And the kids were screaming bloody murder. And 
And yeah, and I finished up some during their nap time and like it worked out, but it, it was a day. <laughs> it was a day. Still, like I said, still triggered. That's a tough moment for yeah. you. And I'm sure a lot of moms, parents listening right now yeah. have been in that crossroads, especially over the last year oh, where yeah. we are told we are forced to be both working at home, to yeah. be both excellent parents, yeah. to be great at your marriage. It's, it's a tough time for a lot of people. So maybe that was one of a tough day. <laughs> Talk to me about a day in your time when you've been an entrepreneur over the past, you know, whatever, five, six years you've been yeah. rocking this, when you felt like, man... I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job today. Yeah, I think one of the best days I've had was when I got to go on a field trip with my daughter in her kindergarten class. And she, I just remember like always wanting my mom to be the field trip mom, but like not having it. So like, I, I don't know why I was so focused on being able to do that. And so I, this is obviously, you know, pre-pandemic. So I got on the bus and I got to sit by her and she just squeezed my hand the whole time, the whole, I think we were going to like a little farm or something. And she was just beaming. I, you know, I think her love language is like, you know, quality time. She was so excited. So, and I went with my son, but he wasn't beaming or squeezing my hand, but she was. And in that moment, it felt like, gosh, Every night I came home after working my nine to five job and I had put in like three or four more hours and all those days finally added up to the whole reason I was doing it. So you do get to have those little glimmers or the days where you get to allow yourself to take a day off or you don't have to ask somebody. Obviously, now that you're an entrepreneur, you know, there's a lot of pressure to do well, perform, earn an income. You don't have anyone else like stay on top of you, making sure you do your stuff. But those are the moments that, that made it worth it. Oh, I love that. I, love, I am feeling a lot of that right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's intense. I'm, Me too, still. <laughs> it doesn't go away. It's mom's got money, but dads yeah. could learn from this too, That's gentlemen. Right. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about those differences. I know you don't want to have some sort of a combative stay-at-home mom versus working mom, yeah. but I got to make a, a sensational program <laughs> here. Gotta, have People have to, have to click on it being like, title. what? Are they going to talk smack about being a stay-at-home mom? Right. So That's no, right nobody, we're not doing that. What we're trying <laughs> to do today and what I want to do with yeah. this conversation is really talk about there's pros and cons of yes. everything in life. And this topic is very important for a lot of women. I know my wife went through this pain of like, what do I do? What do I choose? So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about being a stay-at-home mom. Sure. Somebody's considering that right now. Maybe they've gone through the pandemic or they are finishing having you know their pregnancy right. and they're about to deliver or whatever. Yeah. And they're saying, hey, I might want to stay at home. Right. So what are the advantages of doing that? I mean, I, the advantage is that you get to be with your your kids all day. You get to see their first moments. You get to play a very integral role in the day-to-day -day happenings. The, the negative is that you're with your kids all day and, <laughs> <laughs> and you're with them every minute of the day. And But I mean, that is the big reason, right? Is that a lot of moms, they, they want to be the one to be with them all day and... That's usually the biggest pro is the emotional one. Yeah. And I guess financially, I mean, we're, we talk about financially stuff on this, this show a lot. So if somebody's looking to make that transition, let's say they're a dual income household right now mm -hmm. and they're saying, hey, you know what? I really just, I'd much rather stay at home with the kids, mm -hmm. call it whatever for a few years. How do they financially prepare to get to that step? Yeah, that's a great question. And I outline this in the book because honestly, my, one of my biggest pet peeves is when women say, well, I'm going to stay home because I will make the same amount as daycare costs. And I hear that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But it's not an even trade, right? Financially. So taking the emotion out of it. So in the book, I really encourage moms to think 
about the lost, not only the lost income time, but the lost investment time. If you stepped out for five years, did you have an employer match? Did you, you know, did you have all of these other benefits? Again, maybe you'll run the numbers and maybe the emotion is more important at that time, but the value of the time of you at work is not, does not equal daycare. There's a lot of, just because your paycheck that you get at home equals the cost of daycare doesn't mean that financially they're the same. And so I really want moms to take a hard look at their paychecks. Well, what's coming out? Are, do you have a work-sponsored retirement plan? And were you going to, does your company offer raises every couple of years? Were you on a certain track to be there? And try to project how much you would be earning in five years when your child starts kindergarten. Maybe you're thinking about going back. That's the real true cost of staying at home. It's much more complicated than that one number. Yeah, I had a conversation with Jennifer Barrett on the show recently. She just wrote a book called Think Like a Breadwinner. And she was talking about almost like there's this mom penalty for stepping out of work. Sure. So to your point, yeah, you might not be making, you know, all that you want to make right now. But if you kept on that career track, right. thinking about, okay, over the next three years, what would I potentially be making? Right. That's a really good point. And what would that invested money be with you at 60? What would those, you know, two, three, four, five years be? And it might be worth it to you. I mean, not everything is just about money, right? But those are the important conversations because... It's not fun to become a stay-at-home mom and then now you have financial stress. Well, it's really hard to enjoy your kids when you can't sleep at night because you kind of underestimated like how much of a hit it would be financially. So this is a really big decision, a big conversation. And so in the book, I'm like, I'm not advocating that you stay. I'm just advocating that you really think it through. Yeah. Outside of the cost-benefit analysis of like, am I going to get paid the same as daycare and actually all the other perks Mm -hmm. that are associated with my job. What can you do to financially prepare then outside of the benefit analysis? Yeah, I think you can financially prepare by practicing living on the one income before you even get there. It's kind of like how people practice their mortgage payment before they buy a house. I think you can practice doing that. Keeping in mind that you're not going to just want to stay at home. You're probably going to want to take your kids to a museum or to a park or whatever, the library. You're probably going to want to do a couple of different things. You know, maybe you want to do a music class. So try to think about, you know, you're not, it's just not going to be you. And the baby all day, you're, you're going to want to get out and do stuff, you know? So yeah, I think practicing is good. I'm thinking of myself because I yeah. think I got a little maybe selfish a bit when Nicole stayed at home and when she would stay at home and then I did not factor in and I don't think I was kind enough to think about it, mm-hmm. all of the other costs of, hey, it's not just staying at home. I got to get out of the house every once in a while, yeah. take them to a play place yeah. or get, I got to get a coffee or yeah. whatever. I was tight. You know, I was yeah. like, hey, you know, how much money do we really need to stay at home with the kids? <laughs> yeah. Because I wasn't in those shoes. But you don't know shoes. what you don't know, right? I don't know what I don't know. And now that I'm kind of doing a little hybrid thing, I'm yeah. like, I need a little bit of money to get out of the house. Well, we definitely <laughs> need the coffee. Do not forget that. Yes. I mean, come on, that's the most important one. Absolutely. So that's definitely a learning lesson for me. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. Let's jump back into the show. So, I mean, on the husband side of thing or the partner side of thing, let's say a woman is really passionate about this. How does somebody start that conversation with their spouse to move towards that direction? 
Yeah, well, I think the hope is that your spouse is supportive of what you want to do. But as we know, that's not always the case. We both talk to families all the time through our work that are are having trouble making these really big choices. I have had friends whose husbands say, sorry, you have to stay at work. I've had friends who really like working. I have a friend who's a nurse who works two days a week and her husband just really wants her to stay home. And like she really likes going to work. These are conversations that sometimes are not even money conversations. Sometimes they're marriage counseling conversations. But I think it's important for your own happiness, especially as a mother, as a father, like you have to be content with what you're doing. And we only get one shot at at having kids. And so if you're really passionate about it, you have to make a case, you have to just be honest. And if the conversations get tense, or you can't come to any kind of agreement, then I would definitely recommend getting a third party's opinion on it. Yeah, third party's fantastic, you know, because it can help you get out of your own head. And also try to step in the shoes of your partner a little bit. Yeah, because we always think we're, we are, our ideas are the best. I'm always right. I don't know what's her problem. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You know, (laughs) so a third party can definitely help with some of those tough conversations. Absolutely. And I like to publicly share that Nicole and I have done a marriage counseling and it's been fantastic for us. Honestly, we get to those points where we can't physically get the words across to convince the other person of our stance or we're doing it in a combative way, that's when somebody can step in the middle and be a coach to help you communicate a little bit better. So, well, yeah. And you, I mean, you know this, but because you guys did that and you talked about it openly, we did the same thing and you inspired us to do that. And it was so helpful. I mean, so helpful. I would definitely recommend it to anyone, especially if you like have a sticky point, like what we're talking about, you just cannot come to a resolution on your own. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that we get to that point sometimes where we're like, this is it. This isn't going to work out. Our relationship's not going to work out. He doesn't want me to do this. She doesn't want me to do that. It's just a thing. Yeah. And you can get through it. And the things that Nicole and I were so at our throats about three years ago, we don't even think about anymore I know. because we've been able to work them out. It's amazing. Yeah. You get a really good toolbox of things. And it really, the biggest thing is that it teaches you to be selfless and it teaches you to give the other person the benefit of the doubt. So when you're initially, like I think about benefit of the doubt all the time now. So when you're initially like, I can't believe they don't, you know, he doesn't want me to stay at home and that's so rude. And he's trying to control my life. You're like, what's the benefit of the doubt? Maybe he's worried about our family. Maybe he's wants to make sure that our kids are well cared for or have a childhood. Like some of this stuff goes deep, you guys. <laughs> I go way back. So all of that stuff's really, really helpful if you need to use it. And I know that counseling is expensive, but if you're faith-based, you can talk to speak to a pastor or even a third-party friend that you really trust who can be a good mediator can help with that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's jump into the working mom side of things. And let's talk about some pros and cons there. What is a pro of going back to work for ladies? Well, I think a pro is like the feeling of kind of self-satisfaction, having something all your own, having professional goals that you're working towards, whatever your field may be. I think for me, I've always liked to have work. I've always liked making my own money. Again, I'm fiercely independent. I like to feel like I'm contributing to my family in a lot of ways. I use you know, my income to pay for my kids to go to private school. And I feel like they get to do that because of me. And it's a really good feeling. And I get to help people like in our line of work, I get to help people. So there's a lot of self-satisfaction with that. 
That said, you know, in the book, I talk about there are costs that working moms need to consider. It's very hard to do it all yourself. And so, you know, stay-at-home moms kind of get the income hit, but working moms get an income hit in the other way because you might want to consider, hey, I'm, I might need a nanny to pick up my kids from school because I'm not there from three to five, or I'm going to put them in this after-school care, which costs a couple hundred dollars a month. Or, you know, because I'm a working mom, I'm definitely going to be like, hitting the drive-through twice a week or ordering Grubhub twice a week. So there's all these kind of costs that come as a result of having a very full, busy day too. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about a couple of things that you did and a yeah. couple of, call it whatever, hacks that, uh, <laughs> that uh, moms can do. Let's talk about that help. How can that come in various ways? Because the big thing that comes into people's minds, I think, is daycare. The cost yeah. of daycare, it's a daycare. big, mm-hmm. whatever, multi-figure <laughs> m- yeah. amount. And you're like, well, that's not going to happen. But I know from reading your book and talking to you as a friend, you've seen various levels of these things. So maybe share a little bit of your your various levels of of help and maybe things people could think about. Well, I definitely, when I, like my business was brand new, I think I made like $27,000 my first year in business. So I just had a little mother's helper, but then found someone for 25 hours a week. And we did that for several years. I've had house cleaning help because shocking, even though I'm home all day, I'm working, you know? And so it's good to have help with that. I haven't had that since pre-pandemic though, but I'm at this point in my career, like I'm getting ready to put out an ad for like fairy godmother. <laughs> like that's what I'm going to put on the ad. I'm say, I need someone to help me I need just a third parent. That's what we need. You know, my husband has a very intense job and, you know, mine's more flexible, but I still feel like we need a third person to to help us think like dinner, food, kids, help us once extracurriculars come back open again. And now I'm at the point in my career where perhaps I can afford a fairy godmother, but I never would have been able to have her, you know, seven years ago when the twins were born. To your point on that. Uh, the mother's yeah. helper that you talked about. I'm sure that was worth every single penny back then. Oh, oh, absolutely. I, I remember, you know, she was so young, but she used to just feed one baby while I fed the other. And once I got to trust her a little bit, I started going into my room and then I'd like do pitch a freelance client. I started to, I call it like out earning the babysitter. I started to try to make more in the two hours she was there than I was paying her. So I would try to write one $30 blog post, but I was paying her like eight or 10. And I would kind of do that. And I would kind of do that. I kind of justified that with the house cleaner too. I'm like, okay, it's $70 for her to come. She's here for four hours. You know, how many articles can I write? while she's here doing this for me to justify this. That's kind of how I, I have to give myself permission in my head mathematically to do it. So now I need the fairy godmother. So I'm going to work on that. It's hard. It's hard to accept help. And that's, um, you know, at the end of the book, I, I talk about kind of giving yourself grace and giving yourself permission. And I'm a big advocate for stay-at-home moms hiring babysitters and getting help too. Like just because you're not at a job doesn't mean you don't need a minute to like just walk the aisles of Target in peace and without children. So I'm a big advocate for that as well. It's a mental health thing, really. Absolutely. I was just just going to say that, especially (laughs) after this year, it's definitely a mental health thing with all that was kind of piled onto us. You know, daycare, I mentioned daycare a little bit. It seems at surface that it can just be this gigantic number that people can't handle. Are there ways to save on daycare that people could consider? You can look for in-home daycares. I know that a lot of people will just pay for four days a week of daycare and maybe grandma helps one day. I have known stay-at-home mothers who two days a week, just a free exchange, one will watch one 
mother's children and then they'll switch another day. So each mom gets one full day to themselves. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but you have to be vulnerable and admit that you need help and reach out and ask for advice, especially if you move to a new place like we did. You have to get in the Facebook groups and ask. But I definitely think that you know, there are a lot of different levels of daycare. It doesn't all have, doesn't have to be the highest end as long as they take good care of your kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's talk to the person who's listening right now and they're thinking, you know, I really love my kids, but I want to go to work. I want, (laughs) I want to work. I want to go. I want to be at an office. I love my career. I love what I'm doing, but I'm feeling this sort of like external pressure, call it society, call it family, whatever, that I need to be at home with my kids. What would you say to that person? Well, I mean, again, (laughs) I'm kind of independent about this. Like to me, society isn't in your home every day. Society isn't, you know, at your dinner table at night, not even your, your mother or your sister. Like none of them are in your house, in your head. Like part of this book is empowering mothers to make choices and reminding them that every single day they are already making choices that deeply affect their family. And for some reason, when it comes to these big decisions, women lack confidence about money choices and like going back to work, that might seem like a big choice. Like either way, it's hard. You're just picking your hard, right? But I personally, I don't really let anyone else tell me what to do. So you have to make the choice that's best for you and your family. Obviously, if you're married with your spouse's agreement and working together for something, but you're the only one that knows what's best for your kids. Even grandparents, again, aunts and uncles, they might know your family intimately, but only you can really know what's best. And when you are happy and fulfilled as a mother, you are more patient and you are happier with your kids. Sometimes a little break is good, you know? We don't even have to say I love my kids, but that's a given. We love our kids. But like for me, you know, they're a big part of my world, but they are not going to be here forever. And so on one hand, that means I'm trying to be flexible and spend time with them. On the other hand, I had them young. When I'm 44, my twins will be going to college. So I have to live my life for me too. And I have to have something for me that's just for me that keeps me fulfilled and happy and helps me overall with my... I think you made a really good point. I mean, a a happy you makes for a happy mom, right? Makes for a happy everybody. Absolutely. Makes for a a happy partner. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I love this conversation. This has been fantastic talking to you. Tell us about where people can get this book and I guess generally what can they expect by reading it? Yeah, you can get this book everywhere. Books are sold, which is wild to me. Ah, uh, Target, Walmart, online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can ask your local bookstore to order it. You can email your librarian, ask them to order it. It's a very fun book. I start every single chapter with a personal story that I think a lot of moms will relate to. We talk Legos. We talk my husband's McDreamy hair. You know, we go there. We talk postpartum depression. We talk about the hard things, the good things, the funny things, the kids banging on the window while I'm trying to get radio interviews. I really was extremely vulnerable in this book and it's completely terrifying for me as I've been telling Andy for the last year I've been working on this. But I I hope that when moms read it, they feel empowered to take a seat at the table and that they know that there's nothing more they need to learn. They already possess all those amazing decision-making skills that are needed to be financially confident. 
Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm all about that type of empowerment because I think it's not only good for the moms listening, but I think it's good for the world. So Kat, thank you so much for writing this book. Thank you much for being here. If people want to connect with you and check out things that are going on in your world outside of the book, where should they go? Yeah. Well, I'm always on the gram at Catherine C. Alford. And if you go to my website, CatherineAlford.com, I have a mom's got money starter pack that you can download. And it has a lot of the different charts and worksheets that I mentioned in the book too. Excellent. Well, everybody, Mom's Got Money. Check it out anywhere. It's books are sold. So ah, thanks for being here. Thanks, guys. Andy. Such a joy to talk to my friend Kat and to discuss this important decision moms need to make in their lives. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Kat Alford. Number one, there are pros and cons to any decision in life. Every day, we make choices, my friends. Those choices can have negative and positive outcomes. And those outcomes are all personal. So for example, being a working mom might mean less time with your kids. But less time with your kids might be a great thing if you're about to lose your mind taking care of them through the pandemic. Or you may have zero desire to work at your job and being a stay-at-home mom could be the best decision you could ever make. My point is there is not a right answer here. It's all personal. You make the decision that fits best for your life and your situation. Rock it and be proud. Number two. There are other benefits with being a working mom outside of your salary. Kat made an excellent point about when she hears women say, well, the costs of daycare are pretty much equivalent to my salary, so I might as well become a stay-at-home mom. Now, Kat challenges this by reminding us all that there are a lot of other benefits to working in the career, including health care, a 401k match, health savings accounts, employee equity programs, just sheer networking, and even the free coffee is pretty cool. (laughs) And also not to mention the potential growth of your career and in turn your salary over time that you may be able to earn in the future. So this isn't meant to deter you from making the decision to be a stay-at-home mom or not, but as we discussed, it's important to look at the full landscape before making a big decision. Number three, it's okay to change. Just because you've chosen to be a stay-at-home parent or a working parent doesn't mean you don't have the ability to change your role if you want to. Yes, it may not be possible to do instantly like that day, but over time, with a little planning, a little preparation, you can get there. Also, change can be a great thing. It can be good for your mental health, It can be good for your marriage, and potentially, it could be good for your children as well. And as Kat has done, you can also ride the line between the two worlds of stay-at-home parent and working parent by creating your own business, your own schedule, and tweaking it and perfecting it along the way. You are in the driver's seat of your future as a parent. And those are my three takeaways, my friends. I'd love to hear from you on what yours were from this episode. Please hit me up on social media at Andy Hill MKM. That's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, anywhere. 
let's keep the conversation going, my friends. Big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing our show today and to Alec Collins for editing our YouTube videos. You guys can check those out at youtube.com slash marriagekidsandmoney. We are close to 3,000 subscribers there, and I'm having a lot of fun. So go over there, hit the red subscribe button, and please make me smile. I appreciate it. (laughs) Before we go for the day, I want to encourage you to join our free Thriving Families Facebook community. Join me and over 1,000 other families as we help each other thrive. One thing we like to do in the group is to celebrate each other's wins. We're all about community. Sometimes it's great to hear from other people about where they are in their journey, and you can share where you are as well. So last week, we heard this good news from our friend Kia, and she shared this. Friday will be the last paycheck for my husband and I before we go to closing on May 13th. And as of those paychecks, I will be credit card debt free and have met my goal for closing costs with a cushion of $5,000 by saving $1,000 per paycheck. So it's been a really, really tight year financially, but I can't wait to get into our new home. Kia, this is awesome news. What a commitment to saving. That is incredible to set aside $1,000 per paycheck to say, we are going to get this house. We are going to pay off this credit card debt. So cool. And Kia was kind enough to share a photo of her gorgeous home that she's buying as well in our group. Kia, congratulations. Can I get a round of applause for our friend Kia? Excellent. Excellent, everybody. Thank you so much, Kia, for sharing with us. If you want to share your big wins and inspire others along the way, please join us at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. If you're not into Facebook, I get that. If you'd rather stay in the community (laughs) on email, you can go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash free gift, and that'll allow you to join our Marriage, Kids, and Money email list. I know some people aren't on Facebook. So this is a Facebook group. That's free, marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. And if you're not into Facebook, you can join the newsletter, which is also free on email at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash free gift. Either way, I hope to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Unknown. All women are working women. Only a few are salaried. Keep up the great work, mom. Carpe diem. 